Welcome back to Throwing Hands as Daniel and I will be previewing arguably the biggest uh, fight card of this year, uh, UFC 254. Uh, am I right on that one? Yeah, 254. All right. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. All right. So we're just going to hop right into it. Let me open my notes real quick. We have Nathaniel Wood versus Casey Kenny. Uh, Nathaniel Wood coming off a dub against, uh, I can't remember his name, off last time he was on Fight Island. Casey Kenny coming off. Uh, a nice win against uh, Haley Alatang uh, four weeks ago on Fight Island. What are your thoughts on Nathaniel Wood? Nathaniel Wood is pretty diverse. Nine knockouts, five submissions. That uh, was a decision win that he got against John Castaneda uh, back in July. So it's a relatively short turnaround for him. It'll be the third time he's fought in 2020. Uh, took just the fourth loss of his career uh, back in February when he got knocked off by John Dodson. But he's been in the UFC since the middle of 2018. He's only lost once in that time. And his first three wins came by submission. He has a couple of rear naked chokes and a darts choke. A submission to his credit. Got a performance of the night for that darts choke in his debut. Uh, had that TKO loss by punches and then a uh, decision win this past July. So uh, for the most part, for Nathaniel Wood, uh, he's going to be looking for a sub. At least that's the way it's gone since he's been in the UFC. It was a little more balanced than that John Castaneda fight. And he certainly has a bunch of knockouts uh, since before he came to the UFC, uh, particularly during his time in Bellator as well. Or he only had one fight in Bellator, actually. But uh, in his time outside the UFC, uh, he picked up nine. And I think it's just a matter of time before we see him go back to that diverse style. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's as good as it gets when it comes to outside the UFC. When he, he was the former Cage Warriors champion, he likes to bring on the constant pressure. And he's great on the ground, like you said. So he's when he strikes, he's quick and he's kind of in and out of there. But when we t- let's talk about K- Casey Kenny. Uh, judo national champ, Greco national champ. When it comes to grappling, he's as good as it gets when it comes to stand-up. Uh, and he can, he can throw, too. If you saw Haley Alatang's right side of his rib cage, he's been, he, he can kill you with those kicks. What are your thoughts on Casey in this fight? Uh, Casey Kenny's sort of leveled up uh, since the last, time we, uh, the last time we saw him before that Haley Alatang fight. Uh, he's just kind of figured some things out. He's gone more to that striking, like you said. Beats people up with those kicks, and I think that is a huge step forward for him. Uh, like you said, great on the ground, great with judo throws, purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, back-to-back wins for him. Uh, definitely more of a submission guy than a knockout guy if he's going to finish you, but over half of his wins have come by decision, so he's got great stamina as well in the octagon. I really like Casey Kenny. This is a great matchup of up-and-coming guys with Wood being 17-4 and four and Kenny being 15-2. and two. All right, definitely. So we're, let's talk about what, what's the keys for these guys. I think Nathaniel Wood's uh, best option is to definitely get this on the ground and just gut it out. But when it comes to Casey Kenny, he can handle himself on the ground, but I think his best option would be clinch work. Don't let Nathaniel Wood get too much of a hold of him to bring him down. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the cleaner of a fight this is, the better chance Nathaniel Wood is going to have, whether that be on the ground or on the feet. Uh, the more smoothly and more quickly this fight goes, uh, the more opportunities he's going to have to win. And then Casey Kenny. On the other hand, I think he's going to want to dirty this one up. Like you said, get into the clinch, uh, beat Wood up a little bit there, get him back up against the fence. And if he is going to take him to the ground, do it that way. Uh, that way he can more than likely maintain control out of a scramble. For sure. All right. To predictions, what do you got? 
I'm taking Casey Kenny in this one, I think. I think I'm going to go with him. I think he is one of my favorite up-and-comers in the UFC. And he's got a one-inch advantage, not a huge deal there. Uh, but I think Casey Kenny takes the dub here. Yeah, I think he does too. Uh, I think it's by decision. And there's a lot riding on this. These guys have both uh, won most of their fights in the UFC. I think this could potentially be a top 15 uh, breaking into that top 15 fight. So it's an interesting matchup. All right, we're not going to re- uh, preview this fight because we've done it like three times already. But wh- who do you think is going to win this matchup between Ankalaev and Ayan Kutubala? That's an interesting question. I'm going to take Ankalaev uh, in this one. Love what he does in the octagon. I will too. All right. To the next matchup of the night, Lauren Murphy versus uh, Lilia Shakarova. Shakarova, newcomer to the UFC. And Lauren Murphy, a seasoned, seasoned veteran of this uh, this promotion. She She's coming off a win against Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, you know, Lilia, Lilia Shakarova is not someone to look over. What are your thoughts on her? Yeah, Lilia Shakarova getting her UFC debut against the number five woman in this division and Lauren Murphy. So they obviously see something in her. A native of Uzbekistan. She's only fought professionally nine times. She's eight and one. And half of those wins have come by decision. Uh, three of them have come by uh, TKO or KO. And then she's got one submission win uh, from earlier in her career. She's not fought uh, outside of Asia, which uh, is, is always interesting for people coming to the UFC, uh, that you've never seen them uh, in not necessarily a Western style of MMA, but it's it's just a lot harder to get information on people coming from Russia and coming from Asia as well. So uh, it's always a little bit of a a little bit of a guessing game with what some of these fighters that haven't fought outside Asia are going to bring to the UFC. I think it's going to be really interesting to see her take on Lauren Murphy. And obviously, they wouldn't have made this match if they didn't think she was going to be able to hold her own against the top five contender. Yeah, definitely. She's a really interesting match for Lauren Murphy. She likes to shoot a lot. She's also very aggressive. Uh, and she has a high guard. Uh, that's one thing to note. So I think, like you said, this, this is going to be a tough matchup for Lauren Murphy. It won't be a cakewalk by any means. But when we talk about Lauren Murphy, she she uh, got into jiu-jitsu when she, with her kid, uh, and then she just fell in love with it. She fought her first pro fight six months after getting into jiu-jitsu, and she just never looked back. Uh, she, she's very strong, as we saw in that Roxanne Modafferi fight. She kind of outgrappled Modafferi, who's very talented on the ground herself. What are your thoughts on Lauren Murphy coming in this fight? I mean, stage 37, Lauren Murphy's kind of fighting at the best we've ever seen her. Eight knockouts and 13 wins, uh, five by decision. Never submitted anybody. Uh, but back-to-back wins by decision against Andrea Lee and Roxanne Modafferi uh, this year in 2020. And those last two fights, she's looked as good as I think we've ever seen her. Uh, but she's still fought with, with the best of the best. She's got losses against Liz Carmouche, uh, Caitlin Chikagian. So she's fought at a high level for a really long time. She's been in the UFC uh, going back to 2014, and she was a high-level fighter in Invicta before that. Uh, she was really an up-and-comer in Invicta when uh, the UFC really kind of took over the women's uh, MMA game back in 2014. Uh, but uh, Laura Murphy, very talented, and like I said, she's at a level that I don't think we've seen her at before in her career with these back-to-back wins. Three straight wins, actually, two over some pretty tough contenders. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not going to add much too much to that. I think uh, let's go on to keys here. I think Montefiore, not Montefiore, Murphy kind of has to dirty this one up, just clinch it. She's probably stronger than Shakarova from what I've seen. And I think if she just makes it a tough fight for Shakarova, I think she gets the win. And for Shakarova, I think she just has to pick her shots and play the game smart. What do you have to say? Uh, you, you summed it up perfectly for me there. All right. So what are your predictions? I think Lauren Murphy wins this one. Uh, again, it's hard to get uh, a kind of a beat on Shakarova, uh, this being her UFC debut, having never fought outside of Asia. But I think Lauren Murphy might be a little bit of a bridge too far for her making her UFC debut. 
I'm going to have to agree with you. I think uh, Lauren Murphy gets this one by decision. All right. To another event here, uh, Jacob Malkoon versus uh, Philippaz Malkoon, uh, making his uh, debut out of Australia. Uh, this dude's got heavy hands. And Philippaz, uh, the man who Julian Marquez beat, whom we had on our show to get on to the UFC roster. But Philippaz has found his way back onto the UFC roster. But what are your thoughts on Malkoon? Jacob Malkoon, obviously, uh, and for good reason, there's a lot seen in this guy. He's only fought four times professionally. He's already coming to the UFC. Uh, and he's 4-0 in that time, which, which makes sense. Uh, and uh, won both of his fights as an amateur. So he's only been fighting since 2015. He hasn't fought particularly often as a professional. Uh, just four fights since he debuted in 2017. But he's already in the UFC. Uh, he's got two wins by KO, two by decision, uh, fighting out of Australia. But just a very talented guy, heavy hands. And he's a big middleweight at six foot one, uh, coming in at his last win at 186 pounds. So he's an inexperienced guy. You, you have to say that. He's fought, uh, in, he's fought on an actual card six times, and two of those were amateur fights. And his four professional fights are spread out over three years. Uh, but still, he's a very talented guy. He brings a lot to the table, and I'm excited to see what he can do in a UFC octagon because this guy's getting pushed to the moon, and it's happening quick. Yeah, I am too. I mean, when I saw, I looked at some of his highlights yesterday. He's very persistent. He's very refined and powerful. I think he's he's also very strong. He'll just hold you down when he gets to the ground. But kind of the same thing as Philip Paws. Refined striking. He's powerful, but he likes to clinch a lot and just kind of dirty it up a little bit. What are your thoughts on Philip Paws? Yeah, Philip Paws is a really interesting fighter. As you mentioned, I took a loss to Julian Marquez on the Contender Series back in 2017. Rattled off four wins in a row, and the fourth was a Contender Series win back. Uh, earlier this year, actually last month in September. So this is a quick turnaround for him. And he had a first round KO in that fight. So uh, Phil Hawes has just turned things around really since that, uh, since that contender series loss back in 2017. Looked like he took some time off, didn't fight in 2018, came back in the middle of 2019 uh, with a fight in Bellator, then a couple uh, in Brave CF, and then finally that contender series fight. And he's just looked on another level uh, since he took that time off, uh, since he had that loss to Julian Marquez. And here he is getting matched up with a massive prospect in Jacob Malkoon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's go to Keys here. I think they're both similar uh, when it comes to styles. They both like to clinch it up. They both like to put pressure. So this, I don't think this fight will last very long. But I think when it – and they're both very similar when it comes to uh, uh, reach and leg reach and everything. So they're very similar fighters. I don't know what the keys would be. I think they just need to pick their shots. I think whoever takes the most time – uh, takes their time the most, thinks it through, will win this fight. What do you have to say? I, I think octagon control is going to be big in this because, as you said, these guys really like to dirty things up, uh, really like to bring it in close. And I think whoever is able to control the center of the octagon, keep their opponent moving backward and back on their heels, I think is going to have the best chance. Whoever that may be, I'm not sure. Uh, but whoever can take that kind of advantage more than likely early in this fight, I think has the best chance to win. Definitely. So who will win this fight, Daniel? This is tough because these guys uh, – Philip Hawes has been around for a little bit longer, but even he only has 10 pro fights. Malkoon only has four. I'm going to take Jacob Malkoon in this one. I think he's impressed so much fighting in Australia that he wouldn't be put in this position if he wasn't ready. And I think Jacob Malkoon takes this one against Philip Hawes. Hawes is coming off of a win, but it's still a short turnaround for him, less than a month. 
I completely agree with you there. All right, to uh, the th- uh, another event right here, Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. Volkov coming off a brutal loss against uh, Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades ended the fourth most takedowns in the UFC fight with 14 in their, in their last fight. But he didn't take too much damage. And against Walt Harris, who, uh, uh, you know, he looked he, – we thought he had Alistair Overeem in that first round back in May. But he took the L against Alistair by uh, TKO. What are your thoughts on Walt Harris coming into this fight? Walt Harris is obviously in one of the most emotional positions you're ever going to see an athlete because he was coming back after time off because of the, obviously the death of his stepdaughter, the murder of his stepdaughter, I should say uh, against in that fight against Alistair Overeem. It was one of the most emotional sporting moments I think I've ever seen at least live. And uh, to see him get that kind of advantage in the, in the first round and then just kind of see it slip away in the second uh, was, was almost heartbreaking to watch, but he was still very positive after the fight, looking forward to his next shot, and it's this weekend against Alexander Volkov. So I think I think Walt Harris, obviously an outstanding puncher, a lot of power, 13 wins, 13 knockouts. He's a classic heavyweight, just bruiser. And I, I, I'm a big fan of Walt Harris. I really like not just his story, uh, but also the way that he fights. And he's exciting to watch, and I think he's got a good chance against Volkov on Saturday. Yeah, I believe he does too. I think I th- he likes to get into the pocket, so I don't. I think he'll kind of negate Volkov's reach advantage. I don't think that'll be too much of a factor. But let's talk about Volkov a little bit. Volkov, a kickboxer, but he has very underrated wrestling. He took uh, Derek Luce to the ground a couple of times. And that's how he kind of scored points against him before the, the Black Beast uh, straight up decimated his head. But when we talk about Alexander Volkov, we don't talk about his wrestling too enough. I think. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, Volkov, a talented wrestler. Uh, like you said, he doesn't look like a guy that would wrestle well, and I think that kind of goes against uh, what we think of him because he's six foot seven, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's an absolutely massive human being, and the way that he's built, long arms, long legs, that doesn't usually read wrestler when it comes to mixed martial arts. But he is a solid wrestler. He's got a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it's really his karate and his kickboxing that is going to carry him in terms of wins. He'll be able to probably score points if it does go to the ground in terms of his wrestling, but his his kickboxing, that karate style, is going to be what carries him. That's what got him to the point where he's got 20 knockouts in 39 professional fights. So Volkov, good wrestler, great striker. I think you summed that up perfectly. All right, let's go to Keith here. I think for Walt Harris, he's he's got to dirty this fight up. Uh, he's just got to beat beat Alexander Volkov in the cl- in the uh, clinch and in the pocket. But when it comes to Volkov, I think he's got to pick and choose his strikes and just try to keep Walt Harris away from him. They have fairly similar dimensions, uh, especially when it comes to leg reach. So, what are you what are your keys for this fight? I think Walt Harris is going to have to get in tight, uh, like you said, similar reaches, but Volkov still has a three inch in advantage and the length of his limbs honestly make it look uh, more drastic than that most of the time. So I think Walt Harris get in the pocket, um, maybe even try to score a takedown against Volkov. Uh, it's not necessarily his bread and butter. He's never won with anything but a knockout. But if he can get it to the ground, he may have the opportunity for ground and pound there. And we've seen him have success with that in the past. Uh, Volkov, I think the more this turns into a straight kickboxing fight, the more of an opportunity he's going to have to win it. I think if this goes to decision, it's probably going to Volkov just because of the way that Walt Harris fights, it, it lends itself to finishes. So, uh, yeah, I, I would think if this is either a fight that gets taken to the ground or a fight that turns into, like, a, a true 
like Western style boxing match, then I think it, it goes the way of Walt Harris. If this is more of a, a kickboxing fight, maybe even like a even sort of a tie boxing style that goes to Alexander Volkov. It's going to be an interesting an interesting mix of uh, strategies between these two. All righty, you summed that up quite well, I must say. All right, predictions. I think I think Volkov gets this one by decision. What do you have to say? I'm going to agree with you there. I think this goes the full three, and I think Volkov takes it on points. All righty. To the co-main event evening, this should be uh, a main event pretty much any other time, but we got Robbie Whitaker and Jerry Kennanier, uh coming off, uh, you know, Kennanier coming off a one-year layoff, and Robbie Whitaker coming off a nice, solid win against Darren Till uh, off that chess match back in July. What do you have to say about Jared Kennanier coming to this fight? I love Jared Kennanier to be honest. Three straight wins, uh, David Branch, Anderson Silva, Jack Romanson. Nine knockouts out of 13 wins, 17 total fights. He's 13 and four. And he's fought everyone there is to fight uh, that's that's around right now. Uh, he's got losses against Glover Teixeira, Jan Blachowicz, and Dominic Reyes uh, in the light heavyweight division. And then since he's moved back down to middleweight, he's been dominant. Uh, I really like Jared Kandanir. Outstanding striker, ton of power. And he's a big guy. He's five foot 11, but he's jacked at 185. He used to fight heavyweight. Uh, back from 2011 to 2016, and then spent three years at light heavyweight and finally moved down to middle in 2018. So uh, Jared Cannonier has heavyweight power in the body of a middleweight, and that's really scary to watch when he gets when he really connects with somebody. I'm not even going to add anything, but I'm going to talk about Robbie Whitaker real quick. So Robbie Whitaker, uh, karate background, along with a, a small freestyle wrestling background, he's one of the most uh, refined yet powerful people in the UFC. He made, when he made the jump to middleweight, that, that he obviously obviously found his real weight division rather than being at uh, uh, welterweight where he lost to Court McGee. So if you look at it right now, he probably shouldn't have lost that fight. But Robbie Whitaker, he and he's a fan favorite. You can't you can't hate the guy. What do you have to say about Robert Whitaker? Yeah, Robert Whitaker, uh, Bobby Knuckles, uh, whatever you want to call him, uh, he's just so fun to watch. And to be honest, he's beat everyone there is to beat except you could say the guys at the very top of this division being Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker, Robert Whitaker, I'm talking about Robert Whitaker, uh, except, you know, the top, the other top three guys in this division, Paulo Costa, Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. And he's only fought Adesanya out of those three. He's obviously going to have fought Cannonier after this Saturday. And then Costa came kind of out of nowhere to, to be that number one contender, but he's beaten Uriah Hall. He's beaten Brad Tavares. He's beaten Ronaldo Souza. He's beaten Yoel Romero twice. He's beaten Derek Brunson. It's just a list of some of the best guys the middleweight division has seen in the last five years. And Robert Whitaker, outside of Israel Adesanya, has beaten all of them. And he's extremely talented. He had a great win against Darren Till coming back in July. And he's, he's looking to bounce back into that number one contender spot. It's supposed to be ticketed for Jared Cannonier if he wins this fight. But I could see uh, Whitaker jumping right back up to that number one spot with a win tonight or on tomorrow on Saturday. For sure. All right. To keys. All right. My keys. Here we go. Uh, I think if Robert Whitaker keep, makes this more of a chess match, I think this is, that'll be to his benefit. But if Jared Cannonier dirties this up, I think he has the clear advantage when it comes to that uh, to dirty boxing and clinching. What do you have to say? I can't disagree with anything you put out there. All right. Predictions. Who do you got? I think this is Jared Cannonier's time. I think this is his fight to win. I, I get that Robert Whitaker is extremely entertaining. I get that he's extremely talented. But I just think that this is, this is the time for Jared Cannonier to take that next step and to be that number one contender to Israel Adesanya. And I'm excited to see that opportunity. I think he wins on Saturday. 
You know, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think uh, Derek Kinnanier's reach, you know, they're the same height, but he has a four-inch reach advantage with a, a six-foot-five-and-a-half wingspan. He's practically scratching his knees while he's walking. So he will be able to maintain distance from Robert Whitaker, but I think Jared Kinnanier will dirty this up and just knock him out cold. But here we go to the main event of the evening. I, haven't, I, I am uh, shaking my boots waiting to uh, preview this. Habib Nuragomedov versus Justin Gaethje. Habib coming onto the scales, looking a little frail this morning. But Gaethje, you know, coming on the scale strong. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Habib coming in this fight after this uh, uh, shaky weigh-in? It's it's an, a note to make, uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a judgment really till I see him in the octagon. That's generally the way I go. I'll make a note of something when I see something that seems off at a weigh-in. But once I see him make the walk tomorrow night, I'll make a judgment there. But when it comes to Habib, he's just one of the one of the best in the world. Pound for pound, one of the best in the world. 28-0 as a professional. You can say he's ducked some guys, but he's still 28-0 as a professional. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Ally Quinta, Edson Barbosa, Michael Johnson. These are these are guys that he's just. Those are his last uh, his last five fights, and he's just honestly uh, outside of a couple. Uh, particularly the McGregor fight uh, up until the end has dominated all of those guys. There's just, there's not a lot to say about Habib other than that he is extremely dominant and he's got eight knockout wins. People don't talk about his ability to strike because it's not very refined. It's not very diverse, but it works. It sets up his takedowns. And when he catches that overhand, right, which is just about the only knockout shot he's got, people go down from it. So uh, Habib is he, he's good at what he does he knows exactly what he needs to do and he gets it done and that's why he's so fun to watch and that's why he's been the UFC lightweight champion as long as he has you summed that up perfectly I think you know he has the bet he's the best grappler in this division uh, when it comes to offensive grappling for sure and when he he's when he talks about uh you know he just wants to sit there and smash you and that's basically what he does when it comes to his style, Sambo, Judo, he gets it done. But let's talk about Gaethje for a minute. I think you and I have talked about this over the past few weeks. Justin Gaethje definitely presents the largest challenge that Habib Nurmagomedov uh, because of his collegiate wrestling background and his folk style background. Uh, he knows how to get people off his back. He's not good on the bottom, but he's good from getting out of the bottom. And that's what I think that sums it up perfectly. He's violent as hell, all hell. He, I mean, if you look at the people he's beaten uh, – Cowboy Tony Ferguson. He's beaten some of the some of the, uh you know the pioneers of this sport, uh, not this sport, but this division. Some of the old guys that you know stake their claim at the top of this division. So, and he beat us in Barbosa. I forgot about that too. So he's beaten uh, people as good as they get. What do you have to say about Gaethje coming in this fight? You hit it on the head there. I mean, Justin Gaethje has about as much power in his hands as I've ever seen out of a 155er, and that's that's a lot to say. Uh, but like you said, his his power's insane. If this fight stays on the feet, he's going to have a really good chance to knock Habib out. Uh, but it's his defensive wrestling, as you said, that I think is going to give him the best chance uh, to, to win this fight. I think he's going to have the ability, potentially, uh, that's a big potentially, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to stuff takedowns. Uh, he's going to have to just be kind of moving, not necessarily moving backwards, but he's not going to have, he's not going to let, Habib kind of catch him napping uh, when he comes to a takedown there. So for Gaethje, I think he's got all of the tools to be the greatest test that Habib Nurmagomedov has faced as lightweight champion. And 
I'm not going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be his greatest challenger, but I think he might be his greatest test in terms of style. Yeah, like I think you summed it up perfectly. I think he presents uh, Habib with the, the style that he possesses. Habib has to figure more out. Um, let's go to Keys. Obviously, I think Habib just needs to uh, attempt to do his bread and butter, take him to the ground, just grind this fight out. I don't. If he stays on the feet, I think he's going to get uh, mauled like he did, uh, like Jake Gaethje did to Ferguson. But I don't think I think Habib knows what he's going to do, and he's just going to try and take it to the ground. And for Gaethje, I think stay on the feet, but I think he'll be able to snake his way out of of a few takedowns. What do you have to say? Yeah, I completely agree. I think Habib. Uh, if he can get this fight to the ground and maintain top control, uh, like you said, Gaethje does a good job slithering out. But I think if Khabib controls uh, this fight on the ground, stays in top control, uh, he wins this one. I think if Gaethje keeps it on the feet, then he's got a great chance to beat Khabib. But I don't know that it would be a guarantee. All right. Predictions. What do you say? I'm not going to bet against Khabib Nurmagomedov <laughs> if somebody knocks him off his pedestal. I- I'm not going to do it. You can't do it. He's 28-0. He's got four or five – defenses of this title i'm not gonna bet against him until somebody knocks him off you, you know what be, you gotta beat the man you gotta to, to be the man you've got to beat the man and nobody has beat the man in this division yet well i think the man will be beaten uh tomorrow night i think justin gaethje will get the knockout i think he will slither away from habib Nurmagomedov's takedowns he was one of the best collegiate wrestlers back 10 years ago and his folks he made that his name for himself because of his defensive wrestling I think Habib's yes, his uh, style is uh, unorthodox, but Justin Gaethje has managed to avoid takedowns from good wrestlers. I think Justin Gaethje will win this fight via knockout. All right, respected. Yes, I mean if Habib wins, I mean I'm obviously not going to be surprised, but you know. <laughs> All right, do we have any news that you want to talk about? Uh, Leon Edwards has been booting for, booted from the UFC rankings, uh, largely because he's just been turning fights down, but. Uh, yeah, Leon Edwards, it's, it's a little bit of a weird situation. He hasn't fought in a while. Uh, allegedly turned down three or four fights in a row. Uh, has now had some back and forth with Hamza Chemaev. This is a developing story, I guess you could say, as we go along, because nobody really knows what's going on with Leon Edwards. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I think, you know, if you're denying fights like that, I mean, I think Dana White did what he had to do pers- personally. I don't, I don't see a reason... Yeah, like if you look on the Fight Pass rankings, he's already been uh, booted. Uh, if you want to get Fight Pass, I highly recommend it. Uh, but make sure you, uh, what you call it, uh, manage your time on that website. But I think I think it was uh, worth it. But now you know Hamzat Shmaev, they finally have an opponent. So good, good for them, I guess. Um, there's nothing I else I really have uh, to say, but um, what do you have to say? Anything else? I just, have, I just have one note, and it's less of a less of a big news story and more of just a little funny thing. Not funny, a fun thing to take a look at. Uh, Frank Mir's daughter, 17-year-old daughter, Bella, just won her uh, professional debut uh, in, Icon, in the Icon Fighting Federation, uh, which was streamed on Fight Pass, uh, I believe, last night. Uh, yeah, Thursday night. And so... Frank Mir's daughter is 17 years old, fighting professionally, and is 1-0 as a pro. So that's for people that have been watching mixed martial arts for a long time and remember Frank Mir is one of the best heavyweights in the world. That is, uh, I'm sure that's an interesting note to make. Um, you know, I, I respect uh, Bella Mir, obviously. You know, she's going in there uh, beating other people up. But I, I wouldn't let my kid do that, man. Like... <laughs> 
she's she's literally a kid. <laughs> That's the thing. She's she not minor. She's, she's seventeen years old. Like you know, her brain is like partway through development. Like you know, one knockout, her brain just stops developing. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I respect the decision, but personally, nah, <laughs> nah, not my kid. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you saw this today. Um, John Anik was saying about his uh, contract that the UFC can just terminate him at any time. It doesn't matter. That's interesting. Like in his, like he says he do, he commentates for his job every time. So I thought I thought that was interesting. I mean, you gotta love John Anik. You, you yeah, can't. You love you gotta love the guy. All right, you have anything else? That's it for me. All right, that'll do it for us for this preview of UFC 254. I can't wait for tomorrow. Me neither. How are you gonna do this? Uh, because of TCT. Uh, probably we'll be dual screening it there in the, uh, in the U92 studios. Alrighty. Well, we'll see you guys next time for a review of UFC 254. Peace out.